0: the Spear episode number 39, Tip of the Spear leadership episode number 39. Today I have Captain Jake Henderson with me from the Fort Worth Fire Department, 17 years in the in the Fort Worth Fire Department. He's currently a captain at Station 24. Jake, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so we talked a little bit before the recording and we kind of talked about uh, transparency um, on the fire ground, on the way to the fire ground and you know, as uh, we discussed before, as well, you brought up a post on your Instagram. And if anybody doesn't know who Jake's Instagram is, uh, he's Coffee with the Captain. Fairly, par- yeah, very, fairly well known. I feel like you know you have quite the following, and, and you have a lot of very very good uh, posts. I'm a big fan. Thank you, appreciate that. You're very welcome. <clears throat> no, no problem. Man. It's good. It's good content. Um, and we talked about yeah. fireground transparency and kind of talking about that and one post in particular so we'll get we'll get started with that Uh, you know the floor is yours captain go ahead with yeah
1: um first of all thanks for having me uh man i I love all your posts they are good um really good tips for leaders of of all experience new leaders tenured leaders um, people who sometimes get a little jaded and and need a a recentering for you know their style so keep up the good work appreciate that uh so yeah we uh, I was reading uh Pete blader is one of my favorite authors he he wrote some really good uh material on leadership. he was a delta force commander and uh there, there's been a couple of books uh, from him and uh about some of the operations he was involved with that have some really awesome uh leadership lessons that apply to the fire service and the fire ground in particular uh well his his book common sense leadership um really he he talked about if you have a vision, that vision can't come true until you speak it out loud or you write it down. And, uh, that piece really stuck with me. Um, because as, as the, the captain, I'm i I'm on a ladder truck. And so our, our, uh, what we do on an incident is kind of like makes, makes or breaks the incident, you know, and we have a very specific job. So, With my guy, my guys need to know what I'm thinking. And uh, sometimes I don't always have my people with me. So when I'm on the way to the fire, I'm listening to the radio reports. I'm reading the notes. I'm listening to what our fire alarm office is telling us. And I just start talking out loud. Uh, Whatever my vision for the the fire ground is going to be, I just start talking out loud and saying, hey, we got a multi-story. We need to think about ladders. We need lots of ladders. Um, Hey, this is going to be victims trapped. We need to start thinking window searches um, or um they have fire from the front when you start thinking about going to the back I just start talking out loud um and that kind of that, that helps my guys and I try to tell them hey look this isn't an order nothing I say in the cab like that is an order if it's if it's something I want you to do I'm going to look at you call your name out and say hey I need you to get this done uh but I want you guys to be thinking and the best way I found to do that is really just start talking out loud um let people know what you're thinking I've heard one of the biggest complaints um, from people that come through our station is sometimes they just don't know what their officers are wanting. Um, they, they're they more than willing to get it done. They're more than willing to uh, get out there and work, but they need to know which direction to head. And I particularly can remember as a driver working for one officer who, on one particular shift, he just would not say a word to us, just get off the truck and and walk up to the scene and we had, we were lost. I remember that feeling, sure. and I never want my people to feel that way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and that's it, very interesting the way you bring it up because, and, you know, Jonathan got to say this. There's been plenty of times where it's very, very easy when you're up front and you're going to an actual, you know, it's a working fire. You know, you're going to have tasks to complete, whether you're first arriving or. You know, I don't know third due, and your third due has a specific assignment per your per your departmental uh, policy, Um, and you it's. I mean, there's a lot, and 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 I think if you don't talk it out, if you don't speak it, you might forget it because you get overwhelmed. But if you Mm -hmm. say something ahead of time, they'll catch them or. They'll understand where you're going with your thought process, I think. And and again, it's just like anything else; it's a balance. You don't want to overdo it on the way there and give them every single little detail. But you know, right. if you were to say, you know, hey, uh, you know, go to the rear, and you you don't have a known target, right? You you know the rear, but you don't have a known target. Second floor, third floor, first floor, exposure, whatever. Um, you got to communicate with them what you need and where you need it. And, and I actually Absolutely. recently. I recently have fell short of that. I I, I didn't, we had an incident um, fairly recently that I did not do that and it left a little bit of confusion um, where I, I should have done that better. Everything went fine. Everything was smooth. And I just said, hey, grab this long line. We're going to the rear. And, I, and that was it. Whereas maybe going down the road, if I was saying something to the effect of, hey, looking at these buildings, it looks like it's going to be an end of the group uh, townhouse or row house, really, I guess, depending on your com- your." department's um nomenclature um this is where we're going this should be a straight shot and we'll lay out and get as close as possible or Mm -hmm. you know say to the driver hey i want you to park here in front of this address i could have done all that you know and and that's stuff that i normally do what i'm getting at is i found myself getting caught up with information and i think you know if you're going down the road you're saying all those things even if you get something happens you get snagged immediately and you got to go because that's just as an officer unfortunately sometimes that just happens um, yes. But I, I do, you know, I do think if you're saying those things going down the road, when you're removed from the scenario, they're going to, all right, well, he said this, this is what we're going to do. You know, like you said, yeah. hey, you'll, you'll pull the person out specifically, Bill, you're going to go ladder in the rear VES, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important. That's something that came with from you, from your ex- example, it's experience. And, and and I think that's something newer officers may not appreciate is the actual um, open communication. Uh, open communication.
1: Exactly. It's, it it is transparency in how you're thinking. And I've been fortunate enough when I, when I promoted to captain, um, I had some very tenured firefighters with me and uh, their role in keeping me centered on good tactics, smart decisions was um, immeasurable. And I owe them a huge debt of of gratitude. And one of them is about to retire here in about three months. And, uh, but he, he was always respectful, but if I was out of bounds, he would voice his opinion. And, um, New officers need that. Uh but if you're if your people don't know how you're thinking, don't know how you commonly think, they can't
0: offer you that guidance. Um Yeah, and you have to be I, consistent with that too. You know, like if they yes. don't know what to expect from you, you know, if you're and I'm and I'm sorry to cut you off, but if no, they if you're not in your normal groove, they're gonna see it and they're gonna know something's off. So they may say, you know, not that it, I mean, you can have bad days, but every day can't be a bad day. But if you're kinda of slack yes. and they're like, you know, hey what's wrong with you? we're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. You want to do A, B, and C. It's like, oh, you know, shit. Yeah, my bad. And it's good when they check you because the biggest lesson, and this is why I I stepped in real quick. I think one of the, or not biggest lesson, one of the biggest ways to really show um, your intentions as an officer is when you get checked or -hmm. when you get, I don't want to say put in your place because I don't really think that's how it it is. But when you get checked, it's how you respond to that. Do you blow them off? Do you get pissed Mm -hmm. off and defensive? Or do you kind of do the, Well, why, you know, oh, I did this, this, this was wrong. Well, why? And what what do you think we should have done and why? Right. Oh, okay. That, and I've had a lot of success with that. I think I've learned, unfortunately, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes and, um, you know, I've had good people really, I've had some really good people, you know, throttle me and, you know, it gets, it gets you back in line. Um, because Mm -hmm. again, that response to what they say is, is, is a huge deal to them because if you don't listen, they're going to stop talking to you about it. But the other, th- mm-hmm. there's, and there's a little bit of a balance to that because just because someone thinks you're wrong, doesn't mean you were, and you have to have the confidence and and the the, the, the competence to push back and go, I understand what you're saying, but no, that's not why we're right. doing that. This is, still, this is the way it has to be done. Um, so I, again, I, I apologize for cutting you off. Um, no, no, but no. I, I, wanted to toss that in there but
1: yeah uh one of one of my guys who recently left um was was a real big influence on on me and he really set the tone for our crew and and, but he would i always i always went to him to understand truly how how we felt an incident went if i had a good feeling about it and he said boss that didn't go well then i would do some soul searching and figure out what we didn't like we didn't always agree um But he would nonetheless offer me that guidance, and he knew that guidance was welcome. Uh, but yeah, to just talking it out like that. Um, maybe that person knows something about that building that you're not ready for, and they say, "Hey, aren't these the places that have the basement? Or aren't these the places that are split levels or half stories?" Um, and that that throws you another curveball where you've got to start getting one more step ahead and one more step ahead, just that transparency, man, it goes a long way. And that, that's an easy way for a new officer to do it.
0: Yeah. And well, that's what I was going to say too, especially as a new officer. Like, I mean, we've all, we, we've all been, anyone that's an officer right now, career volunteer, doesn't matter. You know what it's like to have that first day, right? First day sucks. It's not fun. Um, it's nerve wracking and you know, you're a little unsure of yourself and you, you, you know, you're going to rely back on your training and your experience as a firefighter. Where the problem comes in with a lot of, a lot of modern fire departments is that experience may not match up to the rank the person's starting out at. And, and I think mm-hmm. you have, and this isn't to trash on anyone in, in, in any way. It's just a generalized statement that, you know, typically the, the office and desk guys come out and their office and desk experience shows so, mm-hmm. and it's okay. If you spent time as a firefighter or a medic or a lieutenant, captain, whatever rank, and you're moving to that next rank and you've been in an office, it's okay. But now you're in the field and you need to um, step up to the, <clears throat> excuse me, step up to the plate. And they don't care that you have a desk job. They don't, they don't care. In that moment, in that second, when that in the firehouse situation or on the fire ground situation occurs, You have to step up to the plate, and if you don't know the answer or you're not ready for it, you need to know your resources and who is and who the subject matter expert is and and exploit that. And I don't mean exploiting that in a very bad way, but, you know, there's – when I go to work, there's people I know that I'll go to for certain things, right? Um, I would probably never call my immediate supervisor initially unless it's something that's, like, dire. I'm going to call a colleague or someone of the same rank in a different firehouse or that he may be off, whatever, Someone that mentors mm-hmm. me and I, you know, that I look up to, I'll call them, hey, dude, if, if time allows, hey, man, I got X, Y, and Z, here is my plan. What do you think? And then when you go to your boss, you say something to the effect of, hey, just so you know, this is what's going on. This is my plan of action. You good with it or do you have anything I should do different? Yep. Um, and and, and I, think, I think a lot of that gets lost sometimes when you make that transition from firefighter to, to that new entry-level officer. And, and I also think that a lot of what we've talked about is common for even tenured officers. What do you think about mm-hmm.
1: that? uh I agree. I agree. I think um, sometimes tenured officers get in a little bit too much of a groove uh, i I try to keep myself from getting in too much of a groove or too used to people. Uh, it's really easy for me to um, say hey we don't have we don't need to go out and train on x, y, and Z today because I've got all of my guys, I've trained them on the subject, they're competent, and it's an easy thing to slough off. Uh, That's a bad habit I can get into. Uh, Same thing when I have my guys on the truck. Uh, When they're my people and not our vacation relief or our rookies or uh, nobody's off, it's it's real easy for me to just talk on the radio, get off the truck, and they all go to work. They all know what I'm thinking. We know how each other operates but I have to remind myself sometimes to continue to talk out loud and have that transparency because I might have an off shifter with me or an overtime guy or, um, the vacation relief. And all of these things kind of stick out to me because communication is always a problem in line of duty deaths. That's always going to be in there. Um, Mm -hmm. and also the, the more, I think it was project Mayday told us that the more, mismatched or mixed matched your crew is the higher the chances are that you're going to get into a mayday situation. And those, those things always stick with me and prompt me to go, okay, I need to talk. I need these guys to know what I'm thinking.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, communication is always going to be the, is always, yeah, is always going to be the, one of the links in the chain. Um, I'm pulling up, I'm trying to pull this up. Project Mayday. So the <clears throat> Mayday by the numbers. Mm-hmm. I believe you're correct. Uh, yeah. Either way, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. And, and I think every single one that I've read has always been, there's always links in the chain. And it's never one thing that creates any one catastrophic event. I mean, of course, yes, there may be. But typically it's, you know, time of day. Who's on over, mm-hmm. People are on overtime. Um, I think they said something to the effect of, you know, firefighters on the first engine are more likely, but the most, the least amount of maydays and line of duty deaths are the guy on the line, which was mm-hmm. kind of, which was kind of interesting to me. If, if you think about it, cause you, well, they're in the fire. Well, no, they're kind of like the safest part, really. If you yeah, think about kinda, it.
1: It's almost counterintuitive because you're like, that's always the person that's going to be at the fire. So you would think that they're in the most danger.
0: Sure. But, um, yeah. yeah so I yeah. got the numbers pulled up here. <clears throat> And it says, number of Maydays by Don Abbott. And it says, um, any department that has 1,500 to 3,000 plus had 103 Maydays. Uh, Then it goes by age, task companies performing. The most were search, rescue, and fire control. Fallen Trapped was the the highest, highest in residential. And the working crew around them were the ones that made the most rescues. And the most maydays happened in less than 10 minutes. Yeah. No. 20, the 20-minute 20 mark. Which is kind of interesting because a lot of it gears around yeah. those first few, those first few uh, units getting there. I think that 20-minute number was wrong. But either way. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, it has to be communication because if they don't know what they're doing, what you're getting into, where the fire is and all those things… Um, that's where you're going to have that. So having that clear and concise communication prior to arriving, um, Mm -hmm. is, is important. And one thing that you mentioned, which was kind of, uh, kind of caught my attention was you talked about, um, the way you train with people that you've worked with for a long period of time. And, and as you Mm -hmm. evolve and you stay with, and our department, the department I work for, um, people staying together for five, six, 10, 15 years is not really common at all. Being in a firehouse mm-hmm. for five years is not very common. We, people shift and move a lot. Um, we kind of have yeah. the autonomy to, to, we have the autonomy to transfer if we want, because um, we have transfer policy. We have a, a system that uses uh, computer-based seniority, and it has a program mm-hmm. that, that does that. So, I mean, in theory, and you're not allowed to do it more than once in a, in a year. From, so if you bid in January, you have to wait till January to bid again. So in theory, I don't know why somebody would do this. You could bid 20 times and you get 20 different stations. It's all seniority-based. Um, yeah. So it's not very, very often. But what I'm getting at is – I got off a topic, sorry. But um, training and how you keep people prepared is different the further you go. So what, mm-hmm. what by that, I mean, does it help to have ladders thrown on a ladder truck? If you – you guys are on a truck company, you've been working there for five years, and for you to put all your ladders up. Everybody probably knows how to do it fairly well. So are you gonna go out and draw on ladders for two hours one day? Probably right. not. But is there a way to sharpen that edge that's a little bit different than the conventional practical evolutions? There is. And I think talking, mm-hmm. um, little reps fires, little BS fires, you know, room off all that, instead of, yep. when well, we don't really need to do much because this is no, let's go through the whole gambit, get all the ladders out, throw them, put the aerial up, put all your gear on. And if we're not needed, we're not needed, but we're going to get everything done because it's a nice reps fire. And then you talk about it as mistakes happen. Hey, we, we kind of came up short on X, Y, and Z. What happened? Oh, well this, 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 and this happened. All right, well, let's, let's go, let's go do this again. You knock it out. And the biggest thing I think too, is staying engaged. And, and and I think listening to fires, um, talking about fires that happened while you were off with your company. Like, you know, if you're on engine one and engine one ran a fire yesterday, Today's your shift, but you talk about it. You go visit it. Oh, yeah. think what we would do, look at some pictures, but you can stay engaged, talk fireman stuff and and, and you know, and all that. And I mean, I, I think that has a, something in its in itself. Um, because I don't think I you should be running around telling these people, let's go pull lines, let's go do this, let's go do that. No, I, I just I, I think there's your training should evolve as your crew evolves, your crew chemistry evolves. But always you have to have a focus on on your skills right. and your base. I'm, I'm
1: fortunate to have had a crew that's been consistently together. Uh, the major, the bulk of us have been consistently together for about, uh, five to seven years. Uh, so I'm, I'm very fortunate to have those guys, uh, that have stuck with me and, um, you know, they know, they know each other's roles. They know, uh, what's expected of when we get the new people. So we're a battalion, we're a battalion headquarters and, um, when we get our vacation relief, our new people who who swing around to different stations and they just fill in where they're needed, uh, that's their headquarters. So they always show up to our station. So we have the luxury of being able to mentor a lot of new people. Uh, we'll have a group every year of about five five to six people. And as they work with us, they're our people. We show them how to how to do the basics and we show them what's expected of them. Um, and so my guys actually get a lot of reps at the basics. They get a lot of talking at the basics, uh, hose layouts and ladders and and forcible entry and um, water supply. You know, big things that that our rookies need need to really know and be uh, be really really good at. So when I think of training for my people, I think more of the intermediate and advanced type skills. Okay, we know how to throw ladders. Now let's let's learn how to splice ladders, or let's learn how to maximize, you know, carrying multiple ladders at a time or, um, uh, how to, you know, get the most out of the length that we can, how to spot the aerial the best we can. Let's get those reps. Uh, so yeah, you're definitely, your training evolves as your, your crew comes in. Um, I hate, and it scares me to death. I'm about to lose two to promotion and one to retirement out of eight, out of seven outside of me. And, uh, it It is a little intimidating to think I've got to, um, you know, get some people up to speed, but fortunately the, the people who've been, been with me for that five to seven year mark, they're still going to be there. Uh, they're still going to be yeah. there showing the standard, um, sharing the ideas and the learning experience. And as I get a, a new Lieutenant, uh, you know, he's going to have to be humble enough to take that, those lessons from a junior member of the crew, someone who may not have the seniority that he has, um, but to show him what kind of, kind of what the standard looks like. But yeah, it definitely evolves. Um, I, I try not to waste my guy's time. You know, if, if, if I'm just going out to train just to say we did it, it's not worth it. It's definitely not worth it. We will, we have a lot of organic conversations, uh, draw a lot of pictures on the whiteboards and, uh, you know, put presentations together. We've done some battalion trainings. We've had a lot of good support from my battalion chief. Um, and some of those, when getting guys' wheels turning, uh, when you go to other stations and you start talking, yeah, man, we, we've talked about this or we put this presentation together, and some of them just look like, look at you like awestruck, you can do that? Yeah. You just got to go study it, man. Find something that really ignites your passion and go study it. Sure. You know?
0: Yeah. And you got to give them space too. And I think, or not space, but like having the relevant training is one thing, but I think when you foster that environment where people want to talk about stuff, they want to stay engaged. I think that starts bringing things to a different level. I don't know if that sounds right, but so like the firehouse that I work at, we don't have a day room. There's no formal sitting area, like, uh, like a, you know, leather recliners, TV, all that. We yeah. I mean, we have, we have a TV and we have like a little training room area that we kind of congregate. But either way, everybody's all together all the time, whether we're sitting mm-hmm. – a lot of it's t- sitting behind the engine after dinner or, you know, in the morning. We may not all be eating breakfast together, but we're all in the kitchen together talking, BSing, talking about the day on all that stuff. And then as things go on, everything turns into a conversation somehow. Now, there's a lot – I mean, there's a lot of laughy-jokey, you know, haha stuff, but – Yeah, I would say there's always conversations of calls, situations, things people experience. You know, if somebody's out on overtime somewhere and they see something that was interesting, they'll bring it up. Or a call they ran on overtime, they'll bring it up and we all talk about it at our experiences and stuff like that. But I feel like beating them down and continuously making them pull lines or or not beating them down, but not having relevant drills. I, I mean, if you can't pull a line by that point and you have that much time on, we've been on five years together that's kind of yeah. a problem but it's al- it's up- almost
1: like holding a meeting that wastes people's time like a meeting to talk yeah. about things that everybody already knows or it uh, reveals no new information it's the sure. equivalent of that admin problem at the company level and yeah. you know you're going to lose buy-in from your guys
0: yeah and i think they also like the fact when Again, like I said, I'm not saying don't do anything. All I'm saying is, if if yeah. they like the fact that they know you don't have to chase them down, like you know, I mean, I think I think that's an an, an achievement where you know you just kind of tell them, you know, hey Billy, I need X Y and Z done, or hey 400 foot to the rear, and then that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's all you gotta tell them. Or you may not have to say a whole lot. Like if you're first due, and then there's <clears throat> you know, you may walk back and glance. Or, you know, I have people that'll say something to the effect of, hey, boss, uh, you want 300, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, we're going to park on that side, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Even though we really don't have to talk a whole lot, just verbally getting it out. Again, so you, like you said, we're all on the same page, especially going to the call. Um, You know, I, I think that's always a good thing. And that way the guys in the back will know, oh, okay, officer side, third house on the right, 1116 or whatever. I, I think, you know, I think that's good. And, It's almost like you invest in them for the future to be able—I don't want to say to be able to function without you, but basically the whole point is you want them to be able to function at a high level. And you could put a blow-up doll in your seat, and they're going to be just fine. It doesn't matter, officer. Oh, absolutely. That's what you want. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. That—that's exactly how I view it. I,
1: I, I hate missing fires when I'm off, (laughs) but I also love when. I come back and those guys had a fire and it went well. And guess what? Guys were riding up. Um, Lieutenant was on my in my seat and he he got to do some some cool stuff that he normally wouldn't have gotten to do if I was there. And he did it well, you know, and he gets to ask me questions. He's putting more in the in the bank for when he promotes. And I love that. I love talking to fire talking fires with these guys. And uh, and I love when it clicks. I worked at another station um recently. And I told, I told the guy, I said, the best thing about being a captain is putting all the people in the right places and watching them succeed. Yeah, And that's absolutely how I, how I feel. It, it's so wonderful. I love, I love getting to do stuff at fires, but man, it is so great when you put somebody in the right spot and they kill it. They just just master
0: that. It's a good feeling too. I mean, it's, you're, you're at a different level, I think. I think it, as an officer over time, when you see other people – be successful or flourish under your command, it's, it's a very good feeling because it makes it, it makes all the BS that you, you will deal with on a 90, on a 90, on a normal day when those bad days happen and all that BS happens, it makes it all worth it. Right. You know, like you could be like, man, I had, you had a a really crappy shift and everything that could go wrong, went wrong, but we just went on this fire and this dude that struggled with whatever, he just freaking killed it. I mean, that makes everything worth it. Even the headaches, the fights in the fire, not fights, but when you clash with people in the firehouse and you get a nice little reps fire, a nice good fire for the guys, and, and all that crap gets pushed aside. And, you know, you watch them be successful. And I mean, there's been a few times where, you know, in my experience, in my time where I've butted heads, we go to a fire, then everything's just kind of erased. And it was kind of like, you know, hey, man, that thing that happened, this is where I'm at. I'm sorry you know, boom, 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 boom. Person's like, yeah, no, I get it, dude. We're, we're good. I just, we'll do X, Y, and Z for next time. Yeah. And it's the great, it's, it just makes everything better. So with that, I want to change foot a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Fort Worth, Texas, you probably, I would think you go to do some work. I haven't, I didn't do a full research on your fire department, but I mean, Fort Worth, uh, has some pockets of some pretty bad areas, so we've talked about communications we've talked about a lot of that stuff. Let's talk about it uh on the fireground. I okay. know you got a couple of stories I mean just something good where you know a lot of the st- some of the stuff that we talked about uh where it all kind of came together. Does that make sense uh,
1: yeah um so on on my side of town on the east side, we have a little bit of a reputation we're we're more of the lower income housing and um uh, some we do have some some rough neighborhoods. Uh, the east side and the south side, but um, man, when I got I got over to the east side and they had a reputation, and I had never worked worked on the east side. I was a newbie, just fresh freshly promoted captain, and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Hmm. I had you ever done it before though, right? I was, uh, but as far I was I was at a so we have two two truck companies that run the east side, and uh, I that. They get a lot of work. They get a lot of truck work. And, uh, the truck I'm on actually has a huge first due truck territory. And so we get a lot, we get a lot of truck work in. So there's a reputation that came with that. And from where I came, I was from coming from a slower house and it was intimidating. And so I had to up. ask a lot of questions. I had to uh, really rely on some people. Uh, I had to drop my ego and say, you know what, I'm gonna make a lot of mistakes. And I sure, I sure made a lot of mistakes but we started writing down um yeah. some of the the lessons we we learned i had some guys that came in and you know wouldn't just poke fun at you for making a mistake they would pick you up and and help you to get better but they would also be candid with you say you know like this isn't working we need to do better uh so i had a I'm fortunate very fortunate that my 7 years at this uh at 24s has been uh, with some really really good people uh who've poured into me and um we've also developed a lot of people and uh it's it's been good, man. We made some good fires. We've made a lot of a lot of mistakes. We've done a lot of really good stuff. Um,
0: Tell me but, about one of your uh, we,
1: so let's see here. There's so many of them. So <laughs>
0: pick the first one in your mind.
1: <laughs> so uh we had a fire. Man, one I re- one I really, really struggle with was um we had, our engine was out on an EMS call, and we caught a first-in commercial fire across the freeway, pull out of the station, and it, it, you can just see it, you can see it when you, when you get to the freeway, Mm -hmm. and so we get around there, it's a whole commercial area, and we we have a lot of, a lot of stuff that happens in that, in that little pocket, and uh, so I know my engine's out, I'm on a bucket truck, I'm on a a mid-mount platform that, we don't run a mid-mount truck typically, so it's it's a new a new thing for us. Uh, well, I pull up to a near fully involved uh, commercial building and think, man, I'm gonna get this thing lined out. I know the engines out. My guys just get off the truck. They go to work. They start opening, getting access. They start getting access into some of the uh, the exposure buildings. Uh, my my engineer's setting up the truck because he knows we're gonna flow big water, and um, I get. Uh, I get an engine company to me and we don't get a line laid, uh, a, uh, a supply line laid to that engine. So the engine runs out of water. Um, before they ran out of water, the guys, uh, start moving in and they got a little overzealous and they start moving in a little further, a little further. Next thing you know, they're about 10 feet in the building and it's, it's a near fully involved metal building and it's, it's making me nervous, but. I said, you know what, I, I need to trust these guys. I need to trust these guys. They they can make good decisions, but I had to go up and say something. So, so I go up and say something to them, and uh, I didn't pull them out. should have pulled them out. Absolutely should have pulled them out, and uh, I didn't. Luckily, one of the guys ended up getting burned. So he gets in there and uh, gets oversaturated with heat, and he comes bailing out, and I just see out of the corner of my eye that uh, they're they're spraying him with the hose because he's, he's steaming. And uh, about 20 seconds after they spray him with the hose, the whole roof came in. And that yeah, kept me up for a while because uh, that was on me. I, I should have pulled him sure. out. I had the opportunity to pull him out. But I was trying to give a lieutenant that I, I hadn't worked with a whole lot, a little bit of latitude to um, mm-hmm. to make a good decision and or make decisions and sure. be there to support that. And, uh, you know, luckily we were able to to skirt that one. But that's definitely a huge, huge mistake for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's more of a command level mistake. I was on the truck, but we weren't we weren't interior at that point. So. um but yeah, that one, that one gave me some nightmares for a little while.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sorry to hear that, um, that, that happened. And you know, it's, it's, it's the reality of the job, right? It, mm-hmm. it you could do everything right and things can still happen. But yep. when you, when you go through these situations and, and the guy I'm assuming made a full recovery and he's is he yeah, back to work. Yeah. He just had
1: some second degrees on the shoulder, uh, no big deal. And so, you know, it. a couple of things that have have been a struggle for the last for the last year and a half is uh, about. What was it about two months, two or three months after that fire? We did a big they did a big investigation into it. Um, and that was I kept thinking, man, that they, those three guys, those three guys could have been under that one of those big beams when they when they came down. I I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have left them there. Shouldn't have left them there. Well, I walk into my kid's school for meet the teacher and that lieutenant, his kid was in my daughter's class and I'm looking at it and I'm going, and, and Jeff, he knows who he is. Jeff, Jeff didn't, uh, he knew, he knew I was trying to do what was right, but he, seeing him with his son, really just gave me a pit in my stomach. Like if, if one of the, those guys couldn't, if, if, if that one guy wouldn't have gotten burned and bailed, I could be sitting here with this kid without a father sure. on, on me. And, um, about a year after that, the, one of the other guys on that, on that crew actually, uh, passed away. Steve Turpin. So he, he was one of our active members at a neighboring station of ours who passed away. He had a cardiac event. Um, we miss him dearly, but he was, a he was one of those, one of the epitome of the senior guy, man. And so those, that incident in particular sticks out to me because it was, you know, one of the last fires I made with Steve True. and it was, uh, you know, having that sobering experience with, 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 Jeff and, and seeing his son, you know, I'm happy he's here to get to be here for his son, but that it does, it, it made me realize the gravity of the responsibility that we have and sure, as officers, it's, it's not something we just, we don't just show up, talk on the radio and press some buttons and do some reports. We have a responsibility and not only to ourselves, but to the citizens. And, and it's, it's tough to balance that sometimes.
0: It's yeah, it's definitely difficult. It's it's the, it's the reality, you know. And, and I think some people out there may promote because they want they have such high aspirations. They want the authority. They want to be able to say they're and all. I mean, I don't know. Everyone has different reasons for for wanting to promote. And one thing I've learned about the fire service in in general is, right when you think, you know, you're sharp, you you know, you're you're on your high horse, reality's coming, and it's gonna punch you square in the face. Now, with that situation, I don't necessarily, I don't think that's a mistake. I think that's a learning experience because in the heat of the moment, you made a decision with what you had, right? 80% solution. You have the 80% of the information. A good plan enacted now is better than a great plan enacted later when you don't have time, right? So you've got 80% of what you need. You need to execute. And that's just the way it is. Um, I don't know how your department works and how those things are or uh, how your policies are, but you had a situation at hand. You had people, they trusted your decision. They went in, they acted, they did their job. says it on the helmet, firefighting is an inherently dangerous job. We all know that. We Mm -hmm. all know it's an immediate danger to life and health, IDLH. But they went in ready to go knowing you gave that order because they trust you. If they didn't think you had a clue of who you were, like – I'm going to listen to this guy. I don't care what he says. That doesn't look safe. Safety's my default. This officer's incompetent. I'm out. I'm not doing it. Sorry, LT. Not happening. Uh, It's not safe for me. Uh, No. And the officer, you really can't argue that. But the point that I'm making is, you know, you were new, sure, but you brought your experience. This is something you've never experienced before. You made a decision. And I don't want to say it's the price of doing business, but, you know, there's going to come a time where your decision that you make on, on the fire ground doesn't have good consequences or something like this happens you didn't anticipate. So I hate Mm -hmm. the term, everyone, the fire went out and everyone went home. I hate that. I despise it. I don't like that either. But I think the point that they, it's a terrible phrase. The point I think they're trying to make is look, it happened, learn from it. We're going to move forward. What was it? What was it like after that? You said you saw the guy, you saw him with his kid, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, have you talked to him? You got. I mean, obviously, I'd assume you all have talked about that fire, and you know, you probably oh, yeah, had yeah, your, we've had any conversation. Yeah,
1: we we've all talked at length. Um,
0: yeah, it it's one of those
1: fires that just was a black eye for the whole department. Um, it sure j- on several several levels. There was there was some things that happened that people wish they they could have done differently. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things that I did that wish could have done differently. My communication with, with other crews, um, wasn't super clear, uh, which set the incident back a little bit and we've talked about it, but, um, you know, that whole street, man, we had another, actually had another Mayday on that same street, um,
0: different call on a different, different shift,
1: different fire, different shift, um, a little while, uh, uh probably six months ago, um and a, a piece of of wall collapsed and fell on a, on a kid and he uh, busted up his knee but he's okay. Um so that that street man every time i hear that street it's just yes. my red flags start going up cuz it's just it's inherently a problem. But yeah, i mean um Jeff's a good guy. He uh was trying to do trying to make good decisions uh, and made mistakes, you know. Um same same as i did and i'm not going to point fingers at people like i'm perfect. You know, I've cut roofs that didn't need to be cut, and I've laid lines that didn't need to be laid. Hold, pulled, I've pulled lines that were too short, and I've done I've done all kinds of kinds of goofy stuff. So I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you I'm perfect, but uh, I'm learning. Sure, definitely learning.
0: And that's all that matters. I, I think there's something to be said about when you make a mistake and nobody's hurt or killed. You make a mistake, and and how you you rebound from it. And, and I'll I'll add on to it a little bit. So I had. I had somebody come up and tell me, you know, like, Hey, collectively, um, it's kind of frustrating that you get lost going to calls. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, you know, so we talked about it and you know, we, it it came up and I made my own map books. Um, it was an area I should not get lost on, but for some reason I just did. I, I don't know if I'm reading the map. Like my lefts were screwed up. My rights were screwed up. Like I, I was that, unfortunately I was that guy. And the person talked to me and said, Hey, look, like, you know, I know a guy that makes his own maps. He goes, you know, it might help. Maybe think about it. And so now I have two, three inch binders. That's our first through fourth, fourth alarm areas. Um, and there's, you know, little handwritten notes, um, on every page I'll go through and the directions from the firehouse. And the reason why I do it that way is, you know, The three o'clock in the morning call when I'm half asleep, I struggle anyway. Like I just, unfortunately, maybe I'm getting old. I don't know, but that's when I'm going to screw. I know I'm going to, I have the best chance of screwing it up. So I did that Mm -hmm. and I have it. You know, it was, I think there is something to be said about when you get called out on the carpet and this X, Y, and Z, you suck at it. And then you don't like do it for the attention, but they will see you doing certain things. Like I never told anybody, I went and printed off all these map pages and spent hours when I, when I had like a three shift vacation writing, uh, running routes from the firehouse, highlighting streets and writing a little, the station, like the little number for the firehouse going through the neighborhood. That way I know first left, second left, third left, fourth left. Okay. Boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom, Highlighting streets. So I don't get them screwed up. We have split hundred. Do you have split hundred blocks? In, uh, yeah.
1: Some, some places we have little, <laughs> little pockets that are super confusing.
0: We have a ton of split 100 blocks, and it's not that difficult on face value when you, if you were to just look at it on like Google Maps. But yeah, in the heat of the moment, two o'clock in the morning, oh, yeah, boarded house fire for us, everyone's on top of each other almost immediately. Like everybody's within a minute. I think we're within maybe five miles from the furthest firehouse from us for an entire mm-hmm. battalion. So, I mean maybe five miles isn't the right, right amount, but either way, everybody's super duper close, kind of like you'll turn the block and the first trucks behind you, the second do engines coming at you. And then when you get out you can hear your third and fourth, do a block away and you can see them zipping up the street. Like it's super fast paced. And you know, when you make those mistakes and they see you doing those things to fix that. And that's what I did. I just did it on my own. Um, Nobody really pulled me aside and said anything, but in conversations, kind of come out as like a little nonchalant joke. It's like, okay, they did see that. They're just like your kids; Mm -hmm. they see everything. And you know, you got it. You, I like the street when you brought up the street and how it said you said it. You know, gives it makes the hair stand up on your neck. That's a very relatable thing. I had the same thing. I had a fire that went terrible. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. We woke up late, like we overslept. It just, it is. I I don't want to admit it. It's just the way it is overslept yeah. by like seconds, not like, you know, we didn't get up for the call, but you know, yeah. the call went out yeah, it was I got super you. slow to get out. Everybody was super slow. It was Thanksgiving night. Everybody's full and fat from eating dinner. And we showed up, we get, we pull up, second new engine blows by us, then stops at the street and kind of does the old waves you in. You're like, ah, oh, fuck. And then you lay out and get up there and just everything that could go wrong, went wrong on this fire. It's one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire career. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to dig a hole and fucking bury myself and it sucks. You know, I got, I mean, dragged through the mud. I mean, your integrity is kind of challenged, like, you know, a lot of that. And, and I can't go back and change that. But every time I hear that street, I cringe and I'm kind of like, ugh. And then for the longest time, any first do box or any box at all, I'm getting like super worked, not worked up, but like, I'm getting incredibly anxious over something that I love to do. Right. And, you know. Five years later, four years later, we ran a fire on the exact same street, maybe a thousand feet apart, and we freaking killed it. The guys that I work with stepped up, they stepped up and they absolutely smoked it. And it was, it was, it was really good. I'm not going to say the name of the street, but, uh, you know, just for conversation's sake, there's, and then now we joke and say market street, good or market street, bad market street, bad (laughs) was the the bad fire market street. Good was the good fire. And, and, you know, uh, people like, you know, people like to joke about that quite a bit, or we'll be on that street and they'll be like, "Uh Oh, look at that. Do you have PTSD? And I'm like, Oh, ha ha. You know, funny. But I mean, that's what's real.
1: It's real. You do. You have a hangover from those things, man. And every time I hear Dallas Avenue or tension, tension drive, I, it, it, it really does. It makes me pull up the notes. It makes me, uh, really pay attention to it and, and, uh, make sure that I'm on point for how it goes because man, there's still, I've made, I've made two, three good fires on that street in seven years and uh, in, in just that hundred block alone. And that's far too many for one little tiny hundred block in our entire territory. And, uh, you know, one of them was one of the best fire, best commercial fires I've ever had. I was riding the engine that day, and uh, I had a full crew. We stretched a two-and-a-half dry into a, a large industrial building and found a pallet of material that was burning. We charged it. We called on radio to charge it, and he charged it immediately. We put the fire out. We ventilated, and it went 100% perfect. And uh, then you go half a block over and we nearly get three guys killed. Um, yeah. So it's, it just, it really does. It it depends. And um, it just depends on the day. And some days you're just not going to be on point. You know, there's, always, there's going to be something, something that just throws a wrench in the plans.
0: Yeah. And, you know, there's also something to be said too, like when you do make kind of dumb mistakes and everybody kind of laughs at you. And you're like you're wait you know like you screw up you're like oh man here we go I'm gonna get crushed for this and they make a lighthearted joke and you're like <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not gonna do that again Jesus Christ yeah you know what yeah. I mean and, and that's that's when you become to all, you come to a whole different level I think of of being being the officer or, be, or not being the officer um, mutual respect um, from your firefighters as an as an officer and, and that's right. that's gonna go both ways too where they'll kind of come up and they're like they know they screwed up with something and you just you don't need to crush him. Like, all right, look, dude, you freaking know better. All right, hey, like, this didn't go that well, or they came up to you and said that, and you're like, so, so like, are we good? Like, you know what happened? Yeah, I'm good. All right, just, let's not let that happen again. Let's, uh, we're done with that. Okay, I've had a lot of success with that, and, and I think when you yeah. show that humility, you know that that humble side, I, I think I think that's a good thing. But again, it's just like anything else; you can't be too humble. You know what I mean? No,
1: yeah, you have to you have to trust that you can get it done, and you have to be confident. You have to be on borderline arrogant, but also you have when when it went bad, you got to call spade a spade. Um, One of one of the things that I really appreciate about my crew is that they I I welcome any and all comments. Um, If they see that I screwed something up, I will absolutely answer for that, and they can tell me, but they know that I'm going to tell them. And I never hold it against them. That's a, that's a key to to being a, a competent and good officer is your people are going to screw up. You have to have the hard conversation, but you cannot be vindictive about that mistake.
0: Yeah.
1: You have to be objective about it. You have to trust that people will get better, even when they're constantly making the same mistake over and over. Mm-hmm. If you're vindictive towards someone, someone, they will lose trust and faith in you. And that will hamper any progress you have with building that person up. And just like, just like, I I don't want someone telling me, Hey, you screwed up. Okay. I'm going to fix it. And then tomorrow saying, I'm not going to let you do this because you screwed up yesterday. And then the next day, I'm not going to let you do that because you screwed up the other day. Like, how long do you let someone pay for a mistake? You know, once you, once you have that conversation,
0: move forward and get over it. Well, I don't want to say you have to deal with it. I I think that's the wrong way to say it. I think you have to, you have to address it. And I think the other big thing too, when it comes to that, especially with the hard conversations part, I think how you go about it and your timing is all, is everything, you know, because there could be a lot of tension. And instead of handling it in the heat of the moment, when you really don't need to, cooler heads prevail, just let them calm down, give them a little while. And, you know, Hey, look, Hey, we need to talk about this. Hey, look, man, I screwed that up. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not going to make any excuses for it. I wanted to address it. Um, and you pull them aside. Don't do those things in front of other people. Don't ever do those things in yes. front of other people. Um, <clears throat> don't walk into a fight not of your choosing. And by that, I mean don't walk into an ambush as far as you know that guy's irritable. You know he's going to snap. Leave him alone. As long as yeah. it's not illegal and moral, right, or a safety issue, just l- just mm-hmm. let him go. let him go be mad. It'll be fine. Um, another big thing that I learned is if you're, when you're correcting people or something that is not what you like, or it's not to the level of of expectations or whatever, and you may get mad, you may be like, you know, they pulled the completely wrong line, you know, what the hell, instead of getting mad, be like, yo, what the heck, dude, you walk up, Hey, what happened with this? Tell me, Mm -hmm. Hey, come here. What, what, what happened, dude? That's the biggest thing in the world. You know, like I had a situation where I got absolutely smoked by a supervisor and the the person never asked me what happened. But if you were to ask right. me what happened, I, it would make sense because then you get my perspective because on face value it may not look good, but I have to make a decision with the situation at hand. And you may have made the situation, same decision I mean, or you may understand where I was coming from with what, what you have on, what you, uh, what information you have on hand you know, and, and, and yep. I think that's important.
1: So, uh, we had, when I was a driver, I had a, a call where a tree fell on a guy and killed him. And, uh, mm. on that a civilian. Has, yes, yes. Okay. Um, and so I, I will always remember that call. It, it really sticks out in my mind. Um, so a couple of weeks ago we had, um, and this is to your point, we had a, a call where our squad, um, uh, our heavy rescue company was, we had a tree, a large, very, very large oak tree fall on a house and our squad was inside shoring it up when I got on scene. And my chief tasked me with, Hey, go, go see what the squad needs, go help them and just be my interior person. And I said, okay, so I go in there and I start talking to the squad guys who I know. And uh, they start talking about what their plan of action and, Having seen what kind of damage a tree can do to an individual, I was naturally very, very concerned with any plans that they had. Uh, But I could feel my emotions really starting to take control of that and wanting to just say, absolutely not, we're not going to do this without having a sound reason for me to say that, right? It was my emotion telling me. So just like you, I walk up to the squad lieutenant and instead of saying, hey, no, we're absolutely not doing this. I took a deep breath and I went, All right, Chris, what's your plan? What are you gonna do? What where are we going from here? What are you thinking? Yeah. He explains his plan to me. What I had pictured in my head was completely off from what he was actually going to do. And in that moment, I went, That's exactly what I should have said. I should yeah. th- I shouldn't. I'm really happy with myself that I didn't just walk up and say, absolutely not, we're not doing this. Because that would have just caused friction for the whole incident. Being able to walk up with respect to him and go, hey, talk to me. Tell me your plan um, was was really beneficial.
0: Well, you're going to empower people under your command when you do those things. And one thing I've, I don't think I truly appreciated for a long time was how important that is to where you give them the task that needs to be or the goal. Here's our goal. Handle it. And then just check in, Hey man, what do you, what's your plan for this? Or, Hey, why are you doing X, Y, and Z or whatever? And, you know, you may, I mean, I say it sometimes, Hey, look, I'm not questioning you. I'm just curious what you're thinking. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Hey, did you think about that or this? Or, you know, after the call, Hey, why did you do it this way? I'm just curious, you know? And that's one thing I tell people when I, when, you know, I mean, I haven't had to do this for a while because I've been in the same firehouse for quite some time now where it'll say, Hey, look, you know, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm not questioning you. I'm just curious what you're doing because there may be something you're doing different than me. That's pro that could be way better than what I, what I would do or what I would thought, or you're doing something I would never thought to try. And it's like, yeah. you know, I'm just asking you why you're doing that. Not questioning you just genuine curiosity for, to, you know, to, to get better. Um, And, and I think people really appreciate that because the, again, like I said before, I don't want to talk in circles the more you, they're going to see and hear everything. And the more you're doing that consistently and you're empowering people and, 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 and supporting them and, and, you know, taking their advice and all the, all that stuff, I think that builds that trust because trust, mm-hmm. you know, trust takes time and you don't rush it. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a, I don't want to say a fine line to walk, but it's small, simple things can add up to the bigger goal of Mm -hmm. what you're doing as an officer, but the easiest thing to do is pull one block out like a Jenga statue and the whole thing could topple, you know, so you got to do this. It's tough. It's tough.
1: It's tough tough to be the balance between being too hands-on and too laissez-faire, I guess, and um, not being hands-on enough. And a lot of people struggle with that because they want to feel like they're in control and they want to feel like, they're the ones making this. Hey, it's responsibilities on me. I want to make sure it goes exactly the way that I want it to go. Um, when people, people don't thrive like that. People don't thrive with um, that dictatorial style of do it exactly this way. I want my, one of the, my hope is that one of, one day, every rookie that walks through my firehouse, they walk in and they're going to be an officer one day. That's my attitude. They're going to be an officer one day. So whose responsibility is it to make them the best officer they can be one day? It's mine. It's mine. It's everybody who's assigned to this firehouse that's going to mentor them for the next 30 years. Um, they're going to be an officer. So let's make them a good one. Let's do what we can. It takes a village.
0: You know, it's, yeah. it's collective. It's collective over experiences, time, people, interactions. Um, there's a book called Tribe that kind of goes over. I don't know if you heard that book or not um Love that good man. book really good book um i think there's a balancing act with a lot of things and and you know i know as a firefighter if my officer said hey you're the dude for this this task like you know multifamily dwelling inspections you're the dude you're in charge of this and it made me feel nice like i was like oh cool And he respects me mm-hmm. or he he trusts me excuse me he trusts me enough to put this in in my hands well i respect my officer and, and i don't want to let him down or I mean, and the other reality is I don't want everybody talking a bunch of shit and giving me a hard time busting my balls. <laughs> I screw it up. I mean, let's just be real. Sure. But, but all kidding aside, I mean, sure. like, have you ever had somebody that you really respect say, hey, man, look, I need you to do this. I, I know you're going to do it right. Yeah. It's empowering. It's, it's, it's very makes nice. makes you feel like a million bucks. Yeah. It makes you feel like a million bucks because they trust you. You, you. you know, like, and even on vice versa, when you screw up, I mean, I, I've had this before where I really screwed something up and the call didn't go that great. And I'm like, well, you know, and I remember talking to one of the guys on my shift that and I was like, man, I don't what I'm supposed to do. They're like, dude, the shit you just can't control. Like, yeah. that's not your fault. It just, you know, and that kind of makes it, I don't want to say it makes you feel nice, but it also kind of, you know, that two-way street of communication. And they have enough respect for you to say something to you candidly rather than just being like, yeah, I don't know, dude, or yeah, whatever, you know? Um Yeah. I forgot what I forgot. People what respond
1: I really well to that. People will surprise you. Um, and when you give them a task and you have an open mind to how they're gonna get it complete, they will really surprise you with their ingenuity. Um, and they appreciate yeah. that latitude. I we we went went down recently to teach some uh some recruits, uh, ventilation and ladders. We were invited by the training cadre and. uh we had some subjects that we wanted to teach. Well, I went, went to one of my guys and who's he's, he loves to teach. He loves to show the new guys what to do, but he's not really active in the training scene as an adjunct or anything because he's got a new baby at home, uh, new family, and he his wife works. And so he's, he's always tied up with, with child care and things like that. Uh, similar to me, but he, uh, I told him, hey, we're going down here on duty. I want you to go and I want you to teach how to be a good sawyer. I want you to teach guys how to cut a hole, like the right way to do it, what they're looking for, what they should be thinking. And he goes, okay. Two hours later, he comes back to me with two pages of notes hmm. of about what he's going to, what he's going to talk about, how he's going to do it, what he's going to tell them. This is more, if we get, if they're more advanced knowledge level, they're I'm going to talk about this and that. People will surprise you. If you give them some latitude, that's exactly what delegation is. Give them some latitude to get, get something done that's within their wheelhouse, and man, they will make the whole team look good.
0: Yeah, it's all, That's what it's all about. It's all about team success. Um, you're going to do that through empowerment, through years of consistent or uh, through time of consistency. Um, another buzzword that I know people out there hate is shared hardship. And when you go through a bunch of shit together, and those people are there with you, um, and, and you're able to be successful. Um, you know, through trial and error, going through the gambit of making mistakes and, and, and all that, it, you come out on top stronger. Um, you know, there's another saying that says a pot of water boils from the bottom. I think that was Aaron Fields that said that. I don't remember. I think it was Aaron Fields. And <clears throat> basically, it all starts at the bottom. It's it's all at that basic mm-hmm. level. A pot of water, when you see the work done, it all started from the heat and friction and um, work put in at the bottom of the pot. So it all goes there. It all starts there. It all starts at the bottom. Um, the most organic, the fire department in its most organic nature is an engine and a basic ambulance, right? That's just the way it is. Um, yep. Everyone else, the firefighter on the line and the firefighters there, everyone else, including us officers, we're only there for support. We're only there to empower them and, and support them on the overall mission of life, property, environment, and um, being able to put that fire out, you know, Everyone out everything is support and it's all geared towards that I'm not saying lowest level, uh the basic level firefighter, the most generic level. So I think this is gonna be a good place to stop. Um this okay. has been a great discussion. Uh is yep. there anything else that really you wanted to thank you. I, I did as well. Um is there is there anything else that you wanted to bring up or close with that we didn't get a chance to talk about? Did we miss anything? No, we
1: uh, say- man, we could talk for days. Man, uh, I, I could, I love, I love this job. I love all aspects about it. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful job. It's been, it's been great for, for, uh, to be a part of just, I feel honored every day to be a part of it and, uh, get to teach some people and, uh, have an impact on people and man, you're doing good work out there. Just keep it up and, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Don't go anywhere while I close this out. Um, You know, it's okay to love the job. This job's a lot of fun. There's a lot of bullshit with it. There's a lot of crap going on with mandatories and, you know, mistrust in management and people not trusting their officers and officers coming in that have no experience and no business being officers, but somehow they slip through the cracks of their officers. In reality, at the end of the day, these things are going to happen. I think this is just the modern fire service, or I think this is just the fire service. I just feel like now that there's a platform to say it, more and more people realize it's, it's more of a uh, common thing than they realize. And it's, it's much larger than the individual. So either way. Yeah, everyone has the you, same problems. Everyone's got the same problems. Absolutely. So guys, thanks for listening. Um, there's going to be more episodes in the coming weeks. Jake, thanks again. Um, absolutely. Take care of each other. You know, look out for each other. Love the job. Hang out with the guys. Talk fireman stuff and just, just enjoy it. Life's too short to let this crap ruin your life or ruin your day, and um, you know that's it. We'll uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Tip the spear leadership. Be present. Be yourself. Be unstoppable. Thanks, guys, and you all have a great day.